Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we've got some brand new data from the Wall Street Journal on the housing market. I think you guys need to see this. It's very, very important. And we've got to think this stuff through. I see that Chopa says, George, I've listened to you for a long time. Now agree with a lot of what you have to say, but your timing is way off. Well, I'd like to remind all of you guys, including Mr. Chopa or Mrs. Chopa, that uh, I'm not predicting that the stock market or the housing market is going to crash tomorrow. I'm simply telling you that it's overvalued. And there's there's no debating that. <laughs> like, like, you can't look at a chart. We're going to look, in fact, we're going to look at a lot of charts right now. And so at some point in time, the housing prices have to come back down to in level or in line with incomes. And they come down in real terms. Uh, it can come down in nominal terms as well. But we're just playing probabilities. But but you cannot dispute the fact that housing prices are astronomically high. And you also, I don't think anyone would dispute that as investors, we want to buy stuff when it's cheap and sell it when it's expensive. We don't want to buy things that are astronomically high. <laughs> But anyway, let's get over. Thank you very much, Mr. Chopa or Mrs. Chopa for your comment. I sincerely appreciate it regardless. Okay, let's go over to probably the Wall Street Journal first and foremost. So title here, the math for buying out. Oh, we George, have the, you got to share yeah, the screen. Yeah, I knew that just as I was going over there. Okay, so title here is the math for buying a home no longer works. These charts show you why. What does it take to own a home? What does it take to own or buy a home in the U.S.? A lot more than it did before the Fed raised rates. Did the Fed raise rates or did the market raise rates? I think the market raised rates, but we'll save that for a separate video. So they show you this staggering chart, the cost of renting versus owning. Now, I know a lot of the real estate guys right now will say, well, George, well, this just shows you it's a great time, fantastic time to own rental properties because people have to live somewhere, right? And if they can't afford to buy because this red line has literally gone parabolic, <laughs> which would be the cost of owning a house, then they're obviously going to rent. And this is going to put upward pressure on rents. This is the, the argument that you hear. And there is some validity to that. I agree that usually this stuff is kind of... Um, there's an inverse relationship, so to speak, between the housing cost or buying a house and renting. So if it gets too extreme, well, now all of a sudden it makes much more sense to rent. So the rents will go up and the housing costs will come back down to we get that equilibrium. And then the rents will go way up and the housing goes down and you get the, the opposite effect. So it's uh, rather cyclical with this inverse relationship between the two. But the interesting dynamic about what's happening, a couple of different things from this chart. Number one, I would like you to notice this gray line and what happens during a recession with rents. Regardless of what home prices are doing, rents go down. Why? Because the unemployment rate goes up. So you say, well, George, people have to live somewhere, right? And they live together. This is what I have seen. This is one of the benefits I have of spending so much time out of the United States and traveling as much as I have, you get to see other cultures and how they live and how they deal with higher prices, whether it's home prices, rent prices, et cetera. And it's just, it's, it's not rents just going up to infinity and beyond. At some point you run into this problem 
The problem is called your income <laughs> and what you could afford. So at a certain point, more people live in the same square footage. So in other words, you have less renters and less buyers, fewer, even though the population is the same, or even if the population is growing. So here in Columbia, as an example, uh, there's people that have a house that's maybe 1,500 square feet, let's say an apartment, but you've got five or six people living in there, right? So that's the release valve, so to speak, that if something's got to give, it, 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 it's, going to be, it's going to be the amount of people per square foot. Because again, there, there's something that acts as a constraint on prices and rents. That is income. Now, you could argue that incomes, real incomes, are going to continue to skyrocket. Okay, but let's look at the inversion of the yield curve. But then you would also have to argue for a no landing. I think most of you on this live stream right now or that watch this video in the future, your base case would be for a hard landing, a recession. So if that is your worldview, then you also have to concede the fact that there's going to be some downward pressures on home prices and, for that matter, rents. Which at the end, I don't know why that's a bad thing. This is something that we should all be cheering for, honestly. Even if you own a home right now and you've got massive amounts of equity because of what has happened over the last couple of years, look, for, for, for the greater good, <laughs> you know, if you lose, if your housing price goes down by 10 or 15%, or as a, a, even as a real estate investor, if you got to cut rents by 100 bucks or so, sure, that sucks. I totally get it. But for society at large, we have to acknowledge that on net balance, that's probably a good thing. Because I can tell you one thing, that as people transition from the reality of being able to afford and own or rent even their own place, and then understanding and coming to the harsh reality that now to rent that same place, they're likely going to have to share the rent with two or three other people, that that creates friction. That creates, that's kind of kindling, let's say, for social unrest. Now, let's keep moving down this article because it's got some fantastic charts here. So they show that the average rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, uh, we all know that that has gone up substantially recently, but historically, it's still very modest. I'd say below average. And then this is median sales price on existing. This is nominal, by the way. And we can see that where we were in, let's say, 2005-06, the height of the last bubble was around, let's say, 225. Now we're up over 400. So you're telling me now we're not in a bubble? Again, so whether we're, forget predicting a housing bust or whatever it is, the bottom line that nobody can deny, I don't care how bullish you are on the real estate market, you cannot deny that prices right now are at nosebleed levels that 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 we you can't even deny that we're in a bubble. Your only argument could be that prices are going higher, which would just be that you got to find a greater fool. That's your only argument that prices are going to go higher. You cannot argue that prices are cheap. You you can't even argue that we're not in a bubble for heaven's sakes. Your only argument again is that we're in the dot com bubble and it's 1999. It's not 2001. <laughs> and it, for, for me, that doesn't incentivize me to pull the trigger on a house. Now, maybe you're different. Total cost of mortgage for a $400,000 home, we know that that's 
gone way up due to interest rates. Now, this is interesting. Home price a borrower can afford. So the monthly payment as the interest rates go up. So they break the uh, borrower down into income brackets, I would assume. So the highest income bracket is this light gray line, lowest red. So when we're, and I would imagine this is home price a borrower can afford. So I'd imagine that this is the price of the house. So five, a, a million, 500,000, zero. So the lowest income group that they're using for this chart at a 1% interest rate could afford a, let's just say a house of maybe 200, 250 grand, something like that. But as the interest rate goes to 9%, now they can only afford, I mean, I'm guessing here is I'm kind of just eyeballing it, maybe 150. It's a little bit easier to see what's going on with the highest bracket because we've got a bigger slide. So at 1%, this highest income group can afford, let's say, an $800,000 house, where at 9%, they can only afford, let's say, a 475000 So almost, uh, you're almost cutting it in half there. So now let's go over to uh, another chart that I want to show you regarding this idea that, well, if demand is so low or if housing prices are getting so unaffordable, then that's going to be positive for rents. This is a chart, we'll go over to Twitter here, of the rent-to-income ratio. Because again, you cannot argue that rents and home prices can go up forever together. That, that That's because, unless you're going to argue for incomes doing the exact same thing. So assuming that incomes stay the same, not go down, then you cannot argue that both home prices and rents can go up unless you want to argue that you're going to have more and more and more people crammed into the exact same space. So let's look at, so Moody's, interestingly enough, has their own metric, and then we've got the median. So let's go off this Moody's metric. So back in 2006, so 24% of the income was the, the average rent was about 24% of your income. So now let's fast forward to today where we see it's pretty much at an all-time high based on this chart where it's north of, let's just say 30% likely, definitely north of 28%. And uh, the chart doesn't go, oh no, it's not because 30 would be much higher. I see the scale that they're using. So it's north of 28%. When back in 2006, and you could argue that inverse relationship was apparent. I'm talking about the price is being super, super high, therefore uh, rents being low. And therefore, you could see that that swing. You could see the prices come down with homes due to uh, rents going up because there's more demand for rents because prices got so high on, on the buying side. But now we can see that the ratio is not 24%. The ratio is, like I said, over 28%, which is at an all-time high, which would tell you that, sure, uh, home prices are at unaffordable levels, historically unaffordable, but so are rents relative to income. So I think it's a weak argument just to assume that this is going to be a tailwind for rents themselves. Maybe, maybe not, but at some point it can't be unless incomes go up. And if we're headed into a recession where unemployment rate goes up, what are the chances that incomes go up in real terms? Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment 
experts Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Now let's go back to the Wall Street Journal momentarily here. So I want to point out something. Home ownership right here. I didn't highlight this, but we can just do it right off the bat, right as we're kind of real time. And now the app's not working. Okay, I can just read it to you. Home ownership has become a pipe dream for more Americans, even those who could afford to buy a house just a few years ago. Many would-be buyers were already feeling stretched thin by home prices that shot up quickly higher in the surveys sickness, but at least mortgage rates were low. Now that they're high, many people are just giving up. Okay, so what does that tell you about the demand for housing right now? This is something we talk about on this channel all the time. That it is true, supply is at an all-time low. So is demand. So if you have this parabolic move, by the way, when's the last time you saw a chart that went that parabolic that you didn't see it come back down? At least a little bit, right? But anyway, what we're saying here is that this price is due and this price kind of leveling out and being similar over the last, uh, let's say, few months. And I'm and I'm comparing the, the price here, including this drop. So we're up a little bit. But this price is a result of supply and demand, obviously. And if the price isn't continuing to go parabolic, that would tell you that we're at a reasonable equilibrium between the demand. And that tells us that if supply is an all-time low, so is demand. So what happens if you have a few more homes hit the market? Well, that's going to increase, or excuse me, that's going to have a bigger impact on nominal prices than if supply was at an all-time high or even normal. And I'm talking about supply, I'm talking about inventory. You know, how many homes are for sale right now? Usually it's about 1.5 million. Right now, let's just say 500,000. Okay, so if we have an additional 100,000 homes come online, you say, George, that's impossible. Really? What if the unemployment rate goes up to six, seven, eight, nine percent? You're telling me that's impossible? You say, George, well, 40% of the people own their home, out, home outright. Fine. Great. They lose their job. How are they going to put food on the table? You own your home. Great. But you can't afford to feed your kids. So what are you going to do? You're going to sell your house. That means inventory. Oh, George, 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 but that's never, ever, ever going to happen because people are locked in at a 30-year fixed rate mortgage at 3%. So they're never going to sell their house. Really? What? If, same person. Well, they lose their job. How are they? Great. Congratulations, my friend. You have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, so your mortgage payment is always going to be $2,000. But now you're unemployed. So if you can't make the payment at all because you don't have a job, you don't have a source of income, it really doesn't matter what your interest rate is. It really doesn't matter that you have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. It doesn't matter how much home equity you have. It doesn't matter if it's 100% equity, you got to sell. So if you got homes coming online with such low supply, then that to me is actually a bearish argument. It's not a bullish argument. But now let's go over to another chart. And this is A, an incredible chart, but 
if you are thinking about buying a house right now, and I'm not saying don't buy, right? Because there's other reasons to buy a house. I mean, you got kids, you got school districts. Look, I get it. I totally get it. And those are very valid reasons to buy a home at any price. But let's just assume that you're concerned about your home equity moving forward. Let's just assume that you're worried about the price going up or down. Look at this chart. Just look at it. This is home prices versus incomes. Okay, because at the end of the day, that's what matters. You say, George, interest rates, interest rates. Yeah, I get it, but interest rates usually mean revert. And not only that, if interest rates go down, you think it's going to be easy to get a loan? You guys know my personal story. In 2012, I went out and bought tons of rental properties with cash when I retired. And then when I went to the bank to get a, a line of credit at 40% LTV, they told me to pound sand. And this is, I had a 750 plus credit score. I had tons of money in the bank. I had all this money coming in from rents, which house of houses that I owned outright in B and A neighborhoods. It's not like they're in the ghetto. And yet the bank wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. How is this possible? The Fed had interest rates at 0%. <laughs> because usually when interest rates are that low, it means that money's tight, not loose. Now, money's loose and cheap for the S&P 500, the corporations out there, the, the Black Rocks, the Larry Finks. Larry, Larry's going to get super easy money if the Fed drops rates, but you're not going to be able to. So we, we have to realize this. But what I really want to point out with this chart, and first and foremost, let's give the credit where credit is due here. This is a person on Twitter named, it's at Kobe, Kobisi letter. And Kobisi, weird spelling here. We've got K-O-B-E-I-S-S-I. So hat tip to them. Uh, I don't know who that is, but this chart is incredible. And I'm going to give them a quick little, I'm going to read their summary here because I think it just, it's the nail right on the head. But they point out, and this is something I've gone over in countless videos, the average right here, this yellow dotted line, look at it. This is the home value to income. So when it's blue, that means stuff is cheap <laughs> relative to incomes. It's cheap. When it's red, it's insanely expensive. How many times have you heard me on this channel or on the George Gammon channel? or on podcasts or whatever, say that at some point in time in the future, prices are going to have to come back down to incomes. And adjusted for inflation, that's 2012. Every single time I say that, people just, their head explodes. Are you crazy? Prices will never be that low ever again. You've really lost it this time, George. I used to follow you, but I just can't handle this. Unsubscribe. And of course, while you unsubscribe, you've got to write me a message telling me that you're unsubscribing. <laughs> I love that. That's great. But obviously, I'm joking here, guys. I'm playing around with it. But you get it. I'm sure you've heard this from your friend and family member, Fred, many, many times. But why do I always say that? First and foremost, you got to realize I'm not talking about nominal prices, although they could. I'm talking about prices adjusted for inflation. And inflation is really, at the end of the day, a derivative over long periods of time, of uh, wages and incomes, all right? So this is why I always say adjusted for inflation, prices will have to come back down. Because, you, you again, you've got two options here. They can't continue to go to the moon because we've got this constraint called your job. <laughs> called how much money you got coming in every single month. Believe it or not, that is a constraint. 
look where we are right now. So just if, if prices are cheap, let's say, relative to incomes, we're at around a 2.3, 2.4. So the average home, let's say the average income is uh, 50 grand. This would at two times and the average house is going to be $100,000 or let's just, you know, 2.3. So let's just call it $125,000. Make the math easy here. That seems reasonable to me. You say, and, and for you younger kids, I'm sure you can't even fathom that type of price. But for me, that seems normal because look, 1970s, 1980s, all the way to the end of the 1990s, this was normal. If you were making $50,000 a year, the average, it, this was not a problem buying a house because the average home price was right around, let's just say 125. It's using rough math. And again, we're adjusting for inflation here. But now look at this. If you're making 50 grand a year, the average price is over what well, was over 4.5. It's now over 4.4. So now the average home price, let's say is $250,000, but you're only making 50 grand. Good luck with that. But that's not just you. That's the entire society. That's all Americans. That's all U.S. real estate. So you can see why when the prices get this high relative to incomes, that dog don't hunt. Something has got to give. So you've got one of two options over the, and I get it that, you know, from a year, two, three years, the prices can get all out of whack with incomes. We have seen that, but like we saw during the GFC, when the prices get that out of whack, what happens? We go right back down to that equilibrium which would be our average relative to people's jobs, relative to their productivity, relative to how much money they have coming in every single month. It happens over and over and over and over and over again. So your argument, if you're going to argue for prices staying at this level, for whatever reason, your supply is low. George, people are never going to sell their homes because they got a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. George, 40% of people own their homes outright. Okay, if this is your argument, then you are also arguing how this time it is different and how this time prices will mysteriously, magically levitate above incomes indefinitely into the future, understanding that they never, ever, 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 ever have in the past. So now if that's your argument, fine, but just realize that you're arguing for this time it is different. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.